Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 41 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast, where we take a wild trip through the 1987 John Hughes comedy, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today is Richard Kirkham of Kirkham Movie A Day and host of the Lambcast. Welcome to the show, Richard. Hey, Rob, and hi to all of your uh, listeners. Yeah. Glad to be here. I, I hope there's a lot of them. I'll, we'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> you, you never know how many people are really listening. Hopefully more than you think. How's that? Enough so, to keep us interested. That's and true. Keep us going. That is very true. So episode 41 begins with Dell giving Neil some advice and ends with an applause by everyone on the bus. So last week we finished off with Neil and Dell having to get off a train walk across a field carrying a very large steamer trunk, but thankfully they were able to do it together. And then they were, they got to the bus station in the middle of Jefferson city and got on a bus and we started the bus bus ride. And as the ride is going along, we see that Dell starts elbowing Neil and draws his attention to two people across the aisle who are making out. Then we get a shot of this couple and we can see that Neil is quite uncomfortable looking at this, but you know, there's still the curiosity that's getting to him and makes him want to take a look, even though he knows that he probably shouldn't be doing that. You know, you, you think of, you think of, of Dell as more of like a kid with the way that he looks at things and Neil is more of the adult. So, you know, what, what do you think of that, of the way that that, that scene worked? Well, you know, when you're on a bus in a situation like that and the people are right next to you, it's awfully hard to avoid looking in that direction. Uh, and well, especially once it's been pointed out. And of course, uh, Dell is kind of set Neil up because he is, you know, drawing his attention to it and he's on the aisle. So he's going to be right across from, I think that, I think there's a little bit of teasing uh, play in that whole thing that goes on. And yeah. like you said, it's like looking at an accident driving by, <laughs> It's hard not to look and say, oh, well, look at that. <laughs> You're seeing something that you don't see every day. Exactly. So, I mean, the, these these two characters are credited as bus lover and bus loverette. Okay. It's <laughs> Andrew J. Hentz and Karen Meisinger. And neither of them have any other credits on IMDb. This is the only movie that they are both credited on. And when I was doing a little bit of research today, I actually came across an interview from about a year and a half ago with, with Andrew Hentz. And he gave so much insight into this whole scene that for, for me, I, I just came across this. I wasn't expecting to go any deeper into the, the fact of having two characters making out, but it was just, it was amazing. And on, on this interview, he, so he was talking about, first of all, this was his girlfriend at the time. And the two of them had just, they, they were looking for an acting, for acting careers. She wanted to be a model and he wanted to be an actor. And they were they were in Woodstock, Illinois, where, where a lot of this movie was was filmed. And they came across the fact that, you know, they, they came for, for interviews or casting interviews. And they ended up getting getting these roles. And she was actually supposed to get the line that he gets in in a few moments we're gonna talk about it. And apparently John Hughes got really upset that she wasn't able to deliver the line properly. So they ended up just giving it to him instead. So it's just interesting, you know, that here you have an actor and an actress who both are in, let's say, 10 seconds of a movie. 
And I mean, this guy says that he gets recognized all the time. And this was 35 <laughs> years ago. So let's say he was 20 at the time. So that he's, he's in his fifties now and he's still getting recognized for the fact that, that he was in this movie in this very short scene. So he, I he said if he kept the hairstyle. I, I don't know. I, it was, it was an audio interview. So I wasn't able to see how he looked, but it, you never know. But he actually said that, that he has made from residuals and, and for the amount of, of what he was paid at the time, I think he said he's made like $13,000 over the last 35 years, just for this few seconds of screen time that apparently has made him famous, even though the two of them are no longer together. Um, I, I wasn't sure if he got married to someone else or whatever, but he, he basically said that he kept referring to her as his ex-girlfriend. And he said that they were there for like three or four days during the filming, you know, just for this little scene. So I, I thought that was an interesting tidbit. That's cool. I'm glad you found that on a deep dive. Yeah, completely. I was very, and on that same, in, on that same podcast, there was an interview with uh, Layla Robbins at the same time. So I, I, I heard some interesting stuff about her, but she's not in these minutes. So I'll, I'll get to that when, when we get to see her again to talk about that. But I mean, first of all, I, I, I mean, most of us have used public transportation every so often. You know, I, I, I love my car. I rarely use public transportation, but there was a time in my life where I did. I, I think that this is just a little too much. <laughs> I mean, I know it's here for comedic purposes, but this is just a little, you know, this is TMI, PDA, whatever you want to call it. That, I mean, again, it's funny but I don't believe that you really would be in this type of situation. Well, you know, people do weird things uh, in public. Uh, public displays of affection could happen anywhere. That it happens on a bus, that's not that surprising. The degree to which it's happening and the amount of tongue action that's going on <laughs> there is probably a lot more than you would usually get. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's, it is, a, it, you know, they, they are... Uh, Using a charter bus. I don't think that they say it's Greyhound, but it's basically a Greyhound style. No, it's uh, not Greyhound. They they couldn't use any real right. Yeah, uh, they, companies. I'm sure they just it's invented a company for it. Trans Missouri. When they were in Jefferson City, there was a sign that said Trans Missouri bus station. So, or something like that. So I think that's what. Well, I'm sure that I'm sure there's a shot of the bus. I just have I didn't go back and look at that. Right. You know, I mean, there, there is a shot of the bus. There's a shot of the bus on on. Uh, in this minute, we get to see the shot of the bus later, but it, it just outside? shows the, no. Here it just shows the front of the bus in this minute, so I'd, I'd have to go back into last week's minute to see if uh, see if, if they have the shot of the bus to find the name of it. Now, another interesting thing that 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 uh, this this actor mentioned in the interview was is that originally the part was supposed to be played by the nephew of either John Hughes or some other person, some other big person on on the set. And apparently the guy just couldn't get it right. So they chucked him and they decided to find someone else to, to take over that part. So, you know, nepo nepotism doesn't always right, work. Apparently. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> it was, and apparently he said, this guy said that, that he spent, I think, three days filming where he was just making out with his girlfriend for three, three days on screen. I can believe that. Uh, I... Have you ever been on a movie set? I don't think I've ever been on a movie set. There's a lot of time spent setting things up uh, for very short shots because it's all lighting and angles and camera setup. And it's uh, when we get to off the beaten path later, I'll tell you my off the beaten path story. 
All right. I look forward to that. And what a great plug. See, you've you've given some a reason for people to want to keep listening. Just to wait to anticipation. That. We've got a hook. There you go. There you go. Now, I mean, Dell is completely amused by by everything that's going on with this couple, and he keeps leering at them the entire time, which doesn't put Dell in such a great light. The way that he's, you know, leering at them and stuff like that. I mean, since we know Dell's uh, story. You know, it's it's a little different. I mean, he's he's not married, so for him, it's it's very different than than Neil, who would feel more uncomfortable because of the fact that, you know, he he has a wife that that he needs to be that that he's being faithful to at home. You yeah, know, I even though there's a whole idea of look, you can look at the menu, but you can't order. I understand. <laughs> I think the bigger issue is that Dell is less reticent about showing people uh, how he feels and what he's doing. He's He's not as guarded as Neil is about everything. And right. I, I don't think it's so much lasciviousness as it is just, you know, he's he's enjoying he's an outgoing guy and he's looking at this <laughs> going, <laughs> look at that. Check it out. Better than a movie. Exactly. <laughs> so it beats a movie on the plane, right? Well, I, I don't know about that. I, I wouldn't agree with that. But. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd probably, well, you know, in those days of the way they ran the movie on the plane, everybody had watched the same movie. That's true. And you had to worry about everyone walking walking in front of the screen <laughs> or standing up in front and stuff like that. So they, they keep looking and Neil decides that he's going to start taking a look also. You know, he's, he's looking at you. We get a great shot of Steve Martin looking from like the corner of his eye. And then we get a, a wide shot of all the passengers on the bus. And then we see the, the girl like lean back into the aisle. You know, really, they're they're taking things very far in 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 public here, and you can see that in the wide shot, both Dell and Neil have have like moved forward in order to to get a better look at what's going on. But it, what's funny is that it doesn't it doesn't seem as if any other other passengers on this bus happen to notice that this is going on. You know, even someone at an angle or anything like that, even the people behind them, you see the guys just looking at the window. You know, they, they set this up that only Neil and Dell, they're the only people who, who notice this this is going on. And well, they're going to be more self-conscious about those things, not yeah. being regular riders of the bus. <laughs> right. That's true. <laughs> and then, you know, we, we get an upside down shot of the, the woman's face. And you can tell, I mean, this is a very 80s look. She's got the, the 80s hairstyle, lots of makeup. And her eyes are closed, and then they like pop open, and she sees the two of them staring at her. <laughs> and Neil is a little shocked that she sees it, and like moves back a little bit, but still keeps looking. And Dell like averts his eyes and looks the other way. And then the boyfriend looks up at them, the the guy who I heard on the interview, Andrew Heinz, and he goes, "Why don't you take a picture? It'll last longer." <laughs> and Neil Busted. has a great response to that. He says, no, thank you. <laughs> Still being polite. Yeah. And then Dell just bursts out laughing. And, you know, he, he looks at, it's as if, you know, Neil got caught. He didn't get caught. He was looking also, but, but Neil's the one who, 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 who was seen completely looking at it. But it, it's funny though, because you, both of them were caught. But Dell refuses to basically believe that he was caught here. It was Neil who, who this guy, you know, a bus lover, directed his his comment to, and stuff like that. And he, he turns to Neil and goes, "You got busted. That was good." 
<laughs> well, I think he enjoyed, you know, he he's not trying most of the time to put Neil in an awkward position, although he frequently does in the rest of the film. Uh, it's not deliberate, but in this situation, I think it is deliberate. Yeah, completely. And and then he like jabs him with his elbow, and and Neil Neil looks quite embarrassed at this point that he that he got caught. And he, he looks at Dell and gives him a look as is, how did you get me into this? You know, you're the one who it, it's because of you that this happened, along with everything else that has happened so far. You know. And then Dell turns to him and says, well, I, I guess this is pretty, uh, probably a good time as any to tell you this. Our tickets are only good to St. Louis. And then he goes, St. Louis to Chi-Town is booked tighter than Tom Thumb's ass. Look, it's Thanksgiving. So first of all, didn't Neil know where they're getting on a bus to? I mean, in a, a little later in this minute, you see a shot that, that shows that the bus is going to St. Louis. So what did he think? Did he think that they were going to be transferring buses when they get to St. Louis or or whatever? I mean, it's a little strange. Well, he's not familiar with the bus. Uh, Dell is the one who has taken the bus before, although he's not a regular user of it. He's done it because yeah, right. we had it earlier, you know, in the in the previous minutes that he says, have you ever taken a bus before? Right. Ever ridden the bus before? <laughs> he says, no, well, you're not going to like what's coming, you know, that kind of That's thing. That's right, exactly. So, so, you know, Neil's probably just a little, uh, I don't want to say naive, but he's out of it. He's just following along. Dell's taken over their trip at this point. You know, he's got them, he's dragged them onto the bus so that they can get going, and right. he's just following along. Very true, completely. I mean, what, what's funny is, is that if you look, Back in on the minute that we that we had on on Friday, so we were when they were sitting at the bus station waiting for the bus to to get on the bus. So they had a list of the departures, and two of the departures on the list was one was for St. Louis and one was for Chicago, which was misspelled and it says Chico, but whatever. <laughs> and and it says that that departure was delayed, which which is even more interesting that it would say that. Well, that might be why they took the St. Louis bus instead of the Chicago one, because they're still trying to get back for Thanksgiving. Right. It could be. Could be. But then again, Neil should know this. Neil should know that the bus that they're getting on is only going to St. Louis. So it's it's a little interesting that 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 he does that. Now, <laughs> what's funny is is that he, so he uses the phrase Chi Town. So I, I looked that up to see what what that where's that from and what that means, and whatever I could find was is that. Anyone who lives in Chicago wouldn't be caught dead calling it Chi-Town. They say that if you use the name Chi-Town, it means that you're a tourist. People in San Francisco never refer to it as Frisco. Right. Okay. Exactly. You're an outsider so if you use that term. Right. So, so I mean, basically, the research that I that I did basically said that if you use the term Chi-Town, everyone knows that you're not from the area. But what's funny is is that Dell is actually from Chicago. I mean, we know on his trunk, his address, it's Chicago, Illinois. So, I mean, and, maybe, and maybe, maybe he grew yeah. up somewhere else. Maybe that's part of it. You know. Well, Neil is knows that too, because that's where he's from. Right, but Neil doesn't say Chi Town. It's, it's no. Dell who says Chi Town. Okay, so then, then he mentions that it's tighter than Tom Thumb's ass. Now, what do you know about Tom Thumb? Well, Tom Thumb was the uh, little person that was. Uh, presented as the world's smallest man. Uh, that was Colonel Tom Thumb. 
but Tom Thumb was general, also a character general. in Hans Christian Andersen's was it fairy tale? Very good, very good. Or is that or is that Thumbelina? I'm... No, that was Thumbelina. But but there is a a Tom Thumb in English folklore. So I'll 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 get to that. So you're you're correct. General Tom Thumb was Charles Sherwood Stratton. Okay, he was a a dwarf who was performing in the circus of P.T. Barnum. He lived from 1838 to 1883. And basically, Barnum found him when he was only five. And he taught him to sing, dance, mime, and impersonate famous people. And he would have routines all the time where he would play uh, Cupid or Napoleon Bonaparte. And he would sing and dance and do all this comedic uh, banter with someone who was acting as the straight man at the time. And they decided to, to name him General Tom Thumb after the popular English fairy tale. Okay. There you go. Stratton himself was actually a Freemason, and he became a Freemason in 1862. So he was 24 at the time when he became a, a, a Freemason. And the the funny thing is, is on the day that he was sworn in as a Freemason, so there was another – so Stratton was 89 centimeters tall, two feet, 11 inches. And there was another man who was initiated at the same time who was six foot three, which is 191 centimeters. So basically you have two people being initiated on the same day that are uh, a meter apart, which is pretty amazing to, to, to think about that. That's a big distance. Yeah. <laughs> then in 1863, he got married to another dwarf whose name was uh, Lavinia, Lavinia Warren. And what they did at the reception was they, the two of them stood on a grand piano receiving all their guests. And they had more than 10,000 guests at their wedding, which is just unbelievable, that number. Well, he was, he was very famous, you know, in the world yeah. of the, that time. You know, I... At one point, people would have referred to them as freaks. I don't think that's an appropriate term, but no, uh, no, no. that—that's the way the the world looked at them. They were unique because of their difference, and that's what drew people's attention. And he and he, you know, there's no television, radio, or any of those kinds of things. But his renown was well known because Barnum was a showman. He yeah. had his name out there completely. And then, following their wedding, they actually went to the White House and were were received by by Bud Lincoln. He, he had an audience with them right after their wedding. And he ended up dying 20, 22 years later at the, the young age of 45. He had a stroke, right? And there were more than 20,000 people that attended his funeral. And then Barnum created a life-size statue of Tom Tom. So again, that's it's basically just a statue that's three feet tall that he placed on the gravestone. And when his wife died 35 years later, she was interned next to him, and on her gravestone, it just says his wife. So, <laughs> and, uh, I don't know how her thirty-five years without him went, but uh, well, she 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 got remarried and married another famous uh, dwarf, and she was actually in movies. She was an, actually an actress in a few a few silent movies in the uh, early nineteen hundreds. So I saw that. And basically, no one ever know. No one really knows what actually caused his short shortness, because they didn't discover X-rays until 12 years after he died. 
and all the the medical techniques that they had at the day weren't able to to figure out why you know what happened that he didn't grow normally. So then we have the second Tom Thumb, the one who you mentioned earlier also from English folklore, where there was a story published in 1621 known as the history of Tom Thumb. And it was actually the very first fairy tale that was printed in English. And the, the story was is that, that Tom was no bigger than his father's thumb. And he had all these different adventures. He was swallowed by a cow. He was tangling with giants. And he, he met King Arthur and things like that. And then there, there was a, another book written named uh, called The Discovery of Witchcraft in 1584, where he was known as a supernatural character who was uh, employed in order to frighten children. Sort of like and, Krampus. I guess so, yeah. And the the fact is, is that the research that I did, it's possible that, that there really was someone named Tom Thumb who was born around 1519 because there is a grave in Tattershall, Lincolnshire, England, which it says on it, T. Thumb, age 101, died 1620. And the grave itself measures 16 inches or 40 centimeters in length so we'll, we'll never know it's if it's really him or not but <laughs> what can i tell you and then at this point we get another shot of these lovers on the bus and the two of them are across the, the way from them smoking uh cigarettes they're they've apparently finished whatever they were they were doing <laughs> they've they've, they've well, enjoyed I mean, themselves that's a long-term trope from the uh old days you know that uh after making love, uh, everybody lights up a cigarette. Yeah, <laughs> apparently. Back in the days when you couldn't show more than that. Yeah, you couldn't show more than that. Right. Uh, I don't even know if you could actually light up on a cig with a cigarette in 1987 on a bus. Uh, uh, probably still before all of the laws went into effect. Yeah, I think I think you probably could at that point. I, I I don't think I think people would have would have made a lot more comments about it at the time. If you saw a character smoking on a bus that, that were not, you know, if it was a known thing that you couldn't smoke on a bus at that point. Yeah, that's what I would think. But right. Then we get an, an, uh, an external shot of the bus from the front. And so we see that the bus says that it's going to St. Louis. You know, it has the destination on it as it's going down the, the highway. And then we get to go back into the bus itself. And we hear the very end of a song. I I did I tried figuring out what this song is. I couldn't figure it out because it's it says for it's Thanksgiving Day. That's all you hear people sing. And then everyone starts cheering, including the lovers. You see the the, the these two lovers are cheering also. So I guess they they've gotten into the the spirit of of singing along with everyone else on the bus. And that's pretty much how this, this minute ends. Is there anything else you want to say about the minute itself? No, not, not, not about the minute. I, I did uh, check in a little bit on bus travel though, just to see uh, what it's like nowadays. It, I, I took uh, charter buses when I was in high school and college and we were traveling for the debate team, for instance. And we would go from one state to another, and 
they were relatively comfortable, but we didn't have long, long days. You know, we had maybe one long day, six or seven hours, but that was about as far as we went. It would make regular stops. But I checked today, and it's as expensive to get a bus from where I live to Los Angeles as it would be to take a uh, a direct flight any time of the day. In fact, you get a really cheap wow. flight on a plane. Wow, that's pretty interesting. So why would why would people why would people want to travel on buses these days then? <laughs> you know, I, I I've taken a flight from Austin to Los Angeles for twenty nine dollars on Spirit Airlines, which is really cheap. Uh if I got on the Greyhound, it would take me thirty two hours and cost me two hundred and thirty two dollars. Wow. Okay. That's not even you're you're talking two hundred dollars more. That that's wow. <laughs> So I'm not exactly sure why people are still taking the bus. Yeah, that, that's a very good question. I have no idea. It must just be fear of flying. Apparently. So one of the things that I do every day, I, I, I discuss the differences in the script. Now, Richard, did you know that the, the original script of this movie is 150 pages or so? And the original cut of the movie was nearly four hours. I've had before they, they longer, cut it down. Yeah. Yes. So the script is the, the script of, of everything that they apparently filmed. So there's a lot of extra, extra things that are, that are going on. And so one of the things I do every day is discuss the differences between the script and what actually, what was edited out. So this minute, actually, there isn't very much. The one of the things that I liked, John Hughes is very descriptive in all of his characters. And I love the way that he describes this, this, this couple that are on the, the bus. It's in the script. It says a sleazy young couple are furiously necking in the seats. His hands are all over hers inside her clothes, outside her clothes, squeezing, rubbing and stroking. And then Dell says to him, beats a movie, huh? And then Neil just stares at him. And then Dell says, beggars can't be choosers, Neil. It's better than walking. And Neil's response is barely. <laughs> so that's pretty much the only difference in this minute with the, the script. So every Monday, we have another segment called Martin Monday, where my guest gives their top five performances of Steve Martin. So Richard, would you like to tell us your top five performances of Steve Martin, starting from number five, working your way up to one? Sure. Uh, I, you know, I, Steve Martin is a, is a, a good actor, but he's, he's, I think he's, you know, always going to suffer a little bit from being identified as a comedian and, uh, you know, having a distinctive look. I do think that he's been effective as an actor outside of the comedy field. Uh, the film that I have at number five is kind of in that uh, milieu, and that's Grand Canyon. Oh, I love that movie. You know, and he plays a character, you know, modeled on uh, Joel Silver, the uh, movie mm -hmm. producer who made all of the Lethal Weapon films and those kinds of things, who's really into the violence and then he suffers you know from some violence and gets injured and starts thinking oh i'm going to you know he's going to be a different person but of course uh tiger can't lose its stripes yeah and uh <laughs> you know he's not, he's not the star of the film he it's he's a secondary character but he's got a couple of good scenes and and, and you can see you know that he sticks to you know he kind of is trapped being this outside character who wants the money shot in the movie, you know, where's the blood, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. So uh, that's my number five. Uh, number four 
is a comedy role, and I think it's one of the ones where if if he was going to be nominated for an Academy Award for acting, this should have been the role that he was nominated for, and that's all of me. Where he plays he, he, he was great there. A guy who is I don't want to say possessed, but his body is taken over by uh, well, half of his body is taken. Yeah, over. you know, <laughs> you know, the character of uh, Lily Tomlin in the movie, and they basically share his body, and he has to do a lot of physical comedy in that movie, and he's great at that, and and it worked really yeah. well, and I thought I thought that was a terrific performance and deserving of awards, and I don't I do know that he got a couple of critics awards for that, uh, but the. Uh, no, no Academy Award for that one. No. Uh, number three is a short, uh, another, you know, he's like a hit and miss a- actor here. You know, he, I shouldn't say hit and miss, hit and run actor here. He shows up uh, for a couple of scenes, steals the movie, and then t- then is gone. And that's Little Shop of Horrors, <laughs> which is, you know, just incredibly funny. He has the one singing, dancing scene that's really good. And then, of course, he gets... Uh, um, executed by uh, Seymour to be fed to Audrey too. <laughs> yes. And uh, he, but he's very funny in that scene. And, uh, and the, and the singing dancing thing is great. That's a lot of fun. Um, my number two would be parenthood where he is the star. It is a semi-comic role, mo- mostly a dramatic role, but semi-comic because there is, there is humorous stuff in it. And he plays a, uh, a father of a family who's who's trying to you know struggle and be successful in his uh, in his career while also trying to be uh, a father and of course there are family struggles that go along with that and I thought that's a it's a big ensemble cast in that but he really is the lead in that film even though there yeah. is a great ensemble yeah he stands out <laughs> and then my uh, probably my favorite role is. Uh, from uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, where he's paired with the great Michael Caine, and, and uh, they're both a couple of con men. Uh, he's a little bit cruder, uh, and he gets a couple of scenes where he's playing Rupert, the uh, idiot uh, brother. And it, it's May I go to the bathroom, please? So, uh, you know, I think... Because because I laughed the most at that one, that would be why it's my favorite role. Okay, that is definitely fair. Great, thank you very much for that. So the the segment that we do every day is off the beaten track, where either myself or my guest give a little story about an adventure or misadventure or something that might have happened to us along the way. So Richard, you have a story for us. You you teased it earlier. Yeah. So what is your off the beaten track story for today? Well, you know, I lived in Southern California most of my life and uh, I was around the business, the movie business. It's a company town. So there's always something going on, but I, I never worked in the industry. I never really wanted to work in the industry. I was just fascinated by it. My one entry into the movie industry, my car got uh, rented for use in a television commercial. Oh, wow. And basically what happened was we bought this car and they had already made an agreement with the uh, dealership to uh, rent the car to shoot the commercial. But we bought the car before they could do that. And so they had to transfer the deal to us. 
and they said, you know, we'll accommodate. You could come to the set while they shoot. Uh, you spend the day on on the set. We'll pay you for the use of the car, and you bring your family, have a good time. And so that's what we did. And uh, I spent six hours watching them put tape on the ground and move cameras around and adjust the uh, lighting on my car. Well, I sat on the steps of one of those uh, New York uh, brownstones that you see in the movies on the Paramount lot. And uh, then they they did bring in a bull for the ad and they pulled it up behind the uh, car because they're shooting through the car and trying to show uh, the bull in the car. And the deal was they were shooting this commercial for South America and they have anti-competition laws where you can't show a competing company's product in the uh, commercials in those areas. They've got laws against okay. it. I'm not exactly sure why. That's, but they that's fair. And so the reason they wanted this car is it was a Saturn, and Saturns were not for sale in the South American country that they were using. So uh, mm-hmm. my two kids, who were probably uh, 8 and 10 at the time, my wife and I, we sat on the set on uh, you know the, the lot at Paramount for the day, and uh, we got to eat from the honey truck like everybody does, you know, just order the food. And you know, there, there was one actor, this actress who was in the uh, the in the commercial, but everybody else, you know, it's it's grips and um, the uh, stagehands and the director and all those folks. And we just sat down and ate with them all. You know, you stood in line at the honey truck and got whatever you wanted. And that was a lot of fun. That part was fun. The food was great. <laughs> wow. Okay. No, the, watching great. the commercial being filmed was boring as all hell. Yeah, but why, I, what I don't understand, I mean, it's a great story. What I don't understand is why did they specifically need your car? There was there was no other car that color or well, that, they, that they, make. They wanted, they wanted a station wagon. We were buying a blue Saturn station wagon so they had it in mind for a station wagon I guess and they needed like I said and they they needed something that's not sold in the market that they were filming the commercial for it was some South right. American country oh wow okay did, did you at least get paid for it oh yeah or did the car get get it get paid for it yeah we got paid <laughs> you know I think it was like 200 or 300 bucks hey why not 200 300 bucks free food you know, get to spend the day looking at, at everyone on, on the set. So, hey, why not? Doesn't, doesn't sound like it was such a bad deal. No, it was fine. It was fine. <laughs> okay, great. Excellent. All right. So, why don't you tell, Richard, why don't you tell people how they can get in touch with you? Well, you can find me at uh, The Lamb. Uh, I'm the host of The Lamb cast. Uh, you can also find me on my own site, Kirkham A Movie A Day which is, uh, there's both a WordPress site, which is just com, And also I keep a site on Blogger. Blogger is actually the page that has all of my links to other projects that I've done. And that's kirkhamclass.blogspot.com. And uh, I'm, I am on Twitter, although I'm not sure. I think I'm at Richard K. Richard K007. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I hardly ever use Twitter except to (laughs) post a link to something on uh, my blog page. All right. Excellent. And while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe on any podcatcher you might be using to listen to this show. To find me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. 
or you can go to our website. So until tomorrow, you're fine. You're fine.